Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. This is your hostess with the mostest, Valencia. And if you are new here, the Oh My Allergies podcast is a podcast about all things allergies. Whether you have food allergies, seasonal allergies, skin allergies, or even your pet has allergies, Oh My Allergies is a safe space for discussions for those that need a bit of advice and support from someone who understands their struggle. Let's learn how to navigate life and learn how to thrive with our allergies together. Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Oh My Allergies podcast. Before I get started, I just want to get some housekeeping stuff out of the way. So make sure you are subscribed to the podcast. If you are not subscribed already on whatever platform that you listen to the podcast on, also, make sure that you follow us on Instagram. Our handle is at oh my allergies as well to be able to get some quotes and some inspiration to be able to keep you, you know, in a right headspace to know how to navigate life and thrive with your allergies. Also, rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts and iTunes because it really helps us grow the Oh My Allergies community and being able to get you guys' feedback on the show and your comment could have the chance of being featured on the podcast. So that's super exciting. Today's episode, we have a guest on the podcast. We are going to be having a discussion with Daisy from the Daisy Diet on Instagram and her blog. She has a blog called the Daisy Diet as well. You know, when I talked with her, we had a really great discussion. We talked about so many different things. We talked about her allergy journey with her food allergies, Um, What made her want to be a student dietitian? Because she is a nutrition and dietic student. So being able to learn more about her journey from that end of the spectrum and just so much more. But before I get into today's episode and our conversation, you guys know I have to tell you guys what's been going on. I'm recording this episode I'm actually preparing to go back to school which is such a weird thing to say and I say that it's weird because it just doesn't feel like quote-unquote back to school time right now honestly it just feels like it's summer and it's probably because with quarantine and everything I feel like all the months have like run into each other that I just don't have like this the concept of what it time like it actually is in terms of like months and like when I would normally go to school like it's just so weird right now and I don't know what other people's back to school plans are but my school is 100% remote this semester so the Zoom University saga continues. I've gotten some of my textbooks but not all of them yet because some professors like changing what the required textbooks are at the absolute last minute and it just bothers me so much and I know from experience because this has happened to me before and saying that I was mad is a complete understatement because I just don't understand like why the professor would post the book under the course in like our textbook shop right and then change their mind right near our start date for school and people purchase their books before the first day of classes and because that's happened to me before like I said I just wait it out now just to avoid having that situation happen to me again because with this class I spent a good amount of money on this book so I was very very livid because I had to basically like return that book and then have to buy a completely different book that I didn't really budget for because I budgeted for the other book and then this other book ended up being more expensive so I was very mad about that so yeah I've been physically preparing and mentally preparing myself for Zoom University because I get flashbacks to what happened in the spring semester and so I'm really really crossing my fingers that it goes a lot smoother than it did for the spring semester because boy that semester was very interesting as far as how the professors like navigated it and there are some professors that did better than others um it wasn't like a it was kind of a hot mess for some professors but then there were some that were like used to teaching 
in an online platform in that type of way. And then there were some professors that were like, I need to see your face all the time and blah, 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 and would accidentally boot people out of the classroom and things like that. So it was kind of a hot mess from that aspect. So hopefully all the kinks are ironed out. Um, Another update is that my dog is still, you know, battling her ear infection, but we are on the tail end of it. So I know me and her are both happy about that because I can tell her ear doesn't nearly hurt as much or not even at all while I'm putting the medicine in her ear, which is great because it was rough. I mean, rough when her ears did hurt. Like it was bad, um, not only from how her ear looked, but because of all the changes she would go through to prevent me from putting the medicine in her ear. So I'm happy that we have jumped over that hurdle. We've jumped over the hill. Well, I'm not a cow, but you know what I'm saying. Like we have battled that situation and we are on the other side. Um, Also, I am wrapping up a mini summer internship that I've been doing with this awesome organization, and I feel pretty bittersweet about it. Um, As you guys know, I lost my initial internship because of COVID-19, which sucked, Um, but I'm very grateful that I was able to do this other internship. I've learned so much about my desired field, and I was able to gain some experience. Also, the plus of having it was not to have to explain well, there was a big gap in my resume, but I think people are, are more understanding because of the situation and the current climate that we're living in today. So I don't think that would have been too much of a problem, but I'm happy I was able to work with such a really cool organization. I was able to learn so much stuff and I was able to work with some really awesome people. So I'm very, you know, excited that I was able to do it, but because of it being mini, um, it kind of ended kind of quickly in comparison to like my other internships that have been like 12 weeks or like 10 weeks. And so this was like cut in half. So it was, you know, very bittersweet in that aspect. So that is my what's been going on update. So I guess I can get right into my foodie likes. So my first foodie like is from Enjoy Life Foods. It's their protein bites in the sun seed butter flavor. Now, I usually can't have most protein bites or bars due to the protein source being either whey most of the time or just something dairy related. So when I came across these protein bites from Enjoy Life, I was super happy and excited to try them out. These are made with a dairy-free chocolate and um, like I said, sunseed butter, and they are very similar to, um, how can I describe it? Like a bite-sized truffle. I would say. And each serving has about like six grams of vegan protein and they are free from 14 allergens and it's made free of palm oil, which is super exciting. And I really just love the flavor of them. They aren't too sweet, which is a big must for me since when it comes to chocolate, I tend to like my chocolate on the bitter side. So the less sweet, the better. But for people who have sweet tooths, I wouldn't say that these taste like chocolate that was made with like 80% cocoa or anything like that. So I would say it's a good balance of like having the sweetness, but like not having it be like too overpowering to the point where you're like, oh my goodness, this is so bitter. I like bitter, but some people don't like bitter. I know it's for an acquired taste, so I do want to put that out there. Um, I usually like putting them in the freezer for a little bit, and I feel like they taste so good that way. They taste good regularly as well, but. For me, I just like how the chocolate tastes when it's frozen. That's just me personally. And I just love the fact that it's just a really great grab and go snack. And I just really like them. So if you are into like the whole like sun seed butter mixture with like chocolate, um, I highly recommend these. Now, I will say that when you first try them, they taste a little bit dry, um, but That's why I like putting them in the freezer because I feel like it gives it a brand new taste and it helps with the dryness a little bit more in my opinion. So I definitely do like these bites and I do recommend them if you are into like sunflower seed butter and chocolate because I've talked about it on the podcast before and those two things have been my jam. So 
I was really excited when I found out about these bites. So my other favorites is from the brand Simply Gum. I've been really into um, lately like their natural like chewing gum. And I've had this brand before in the past. By no means, this is not like a new brand to me. I've had them off and on over the years, like when I'm in a gum mood, because I used to eat like, you know, the regular mainstream brands of gum. But when um, me and my mom, we came more focused on, you know, the nutrition facts and knowing what we're putting in our body, we realized that those gum brands weren't exactly the best. So we went on a search to find like different natural gums that allowed you to be able to get that taste that you are looking for from a gum but have it be a lot more healthier and sustainable in that type of way so we found out about the brand simply gum and normally we usually get the mint flavor and really like that and then also we've tried cinnamon in the past but when we've been going to uh, whole foods we came across some new flavors to us so lately i've been liking their ginger flavored gum their spearmint gum, and their grapefruit gum. And what I really like about the ginger is that it has a little bit of that spiciness that you would expect from ginger. And I really like that in a gum. Like sometimes, you know, it might throw you off a little bit for some people, but since I am a big ginger stan, like I love it so much. It gives me like not too much spiciness, but enough for me to be like, okay, this is ginger gum. And then I like the spearmint because it reminds me of some of the other brands of gum that I've had like years 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 and years ago and it gives me that you know that spearmint flavor that I'm looking for and it doesn't taste like aspartame or anything like that so I really love that part of it and then the grapefruit one I really like that one because it's just very like a refreshing taste in your mouth and it really gives you like that cleansy like that cleansy flavor that you're looking for like it feel like it's really good like if you had like garlic and you're trying to get the garlic breath like away from your mouth then I feel like this grapefruit one it makes your mouth smell really good I hope that's not weird but I feel like it gives your mouth like a refreshing taste and it smells really good all of them smell really good to be quite honest so if you are on the hunt for a natural gum I highly recommend trying Simply Gum because I feel like they have just really good flavors and those aren't even all the flavors that they offer as well. So I know, like I said, I talked about the cinnamon one. That tastes really good. Um, It offers a little bit of that spicy, savory taste of it, but not as spicy as the ginger. So if you are looking for like a spiciness, then highly recommend trying out the ginger one. Um, But yeah, they have like so many other different flavors. And we first found out about Simply Gum from when we found them at World uh, Plus Market or World Cost Market. I forget the name of the place, but that's where we first came across um, that brand. And then now recently we've been getting them from like Whole Foods because they just have them like near the cash registers. So when we go grocery shopping, we usually get them from there. But yeah, those have been my foodie likes as of late. Um, And I feel like with back to school season and people, you know, slowly but surely going back into the workplace, having gum on hand, um, I feel like everybody has gum like in their backpack or in their purse or something like that. So I feel that these are really good alternatives if you're looking for a healthier option and also with the bites, perfect for on the go. And even if you're doing Zoom University like me, it's a really good snack to have like when you are in class and obviously you're on mute because no one wants to hear someone chomping when you're in class. But even, you know, for that or even if you're just doing your homework or you're working from home, that type of thing, all of these things are perfect for those different types of scenarios. So now that I am done talking about my foodie likes, now I'm going to get into the allergy news. So I came across this article that talked about how this girl, she overdosed doing a Benadryl challenge on TikTok, which I'm not even on TikTok, so I'm not going to act like I knew that this challenge existed. But first of all, I don't even know why a such challenge would even exist. So obviously, I don't condone doing this challenge, but I'm going to explain it for people who don't know, like me, what the heck this challenge is. So apparently, um, there is this TikTok challenge in where teens take large doses of Benadryl to hallucinate. And I, 
I don't even understand why kids would want to take part in this Benadryl challenge because Benadryl is, it's not a toy, people. Just drugs in general like that, they're not a joke. And it's just sad that challenges like this exist and overdosing on you know a medication like Benadryl could lead to you having like a heart attack a stroke seizures brain damage and even death so I don't even understand why people would partake in a challenge like this and think that it's funny because a lot of people including myself rely on medications like Benadryl to be able to help us with our allergies so I don't understand why people would think that Benadryl is like a joke and that it's funny enough to start a challenge about it just so people can you know quote unquote hallucinate or quote unquote trip out which it's not funny period and using something like that in this type of way I mean it's it could potentially turn out to be life-threatening and have a scenario like this young girl did. So I just found this story and I was just so shocked by it that I was like, okay, I have to talk about this on the podcast because I I can't be the only one who thinks that this challenge is just so odd and just so weird. And this is why I normally don't partake in challenges, especially challenges like this that are just so like weird and so unsafe. Like I remember the, I think it was like the cinnamon challenge that was just so unsafe as well. Like there's just so many social media challenges out there that I feel like should not even exist. And mainly because it puts people at risk and they're not even funny you know just because you see somebody doing it doesn't mean that a lot of other people need to follow through with it and you know sadly this had to happen but hopefully people can learn two lessons from this please don't partake in challenges that are going to put your health at risk and allergy education this kind of goes back to something that I talk about you know on the all my allergies Instagram and on the podcast the importance of allergy education and letting people know that allergies aren't a joke and have medicine be included in that education as well so that wraps up the allergy news so we can get right into today's episode so like I said today's episode has a guest we have Daisy on the podcast from the Daisy diet on Instagram and from her blog to discuss her allergy journey, how she discovered her allergies, you know, what made her want to become a dietics and nutrition student and all of the things. I know a lot of people enjoy hearing about other people's allergy journey, their experiences and just differing perspectives since she's speaking from a nutrition student perspective. So if you're not familiar with Daisy, Daisy is a final year student dietitian who runs the blog and Instagram titled The Daisy Diet. Her love for food, nutrition, and baking comes from her growing up with two brothers that have multiple severe food allergies. She didn't want them to feel like they were missing out on certain foods, so her and her mom would make allergen-friendly foods and treats for them, which is so cute and special, might I add. She developed her food allergies when she was a teenager, which we get into in this episode, and this made her learn how to adapt recipes that were friendly to both her and her brothers. So here's where her blog and her Instagram enter the chat. She started her blog and Instagram account, The Daisy Diet, to share recipes and everyday meal ideas that are always free from dairy, egg, nuts, sesame, and more. Her goal is to show people that even though she has food allergies and makes a few tweaks to her dishes, the majority of her diet is just like anyone else's and anyone can enjoy allergy-friendly recipes. So with that introduction, let's get right into the interview. Daisy, welcome to the Oh My Allergies podcast. I'm so happy to have you here and to be able to learn more about you. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to like talk to you and stuff. Yeah, because I know most of our talks have been through Instagram and to be able to have you here and to be able to um, have others learn about your story as well. Yeah, so before we get started, um, each episode I talk about my foodie likes. So basically I talk about, you know, my favorite items that are food related. So it could be a snack, a book about food, um, a favorite meal that you just had, you know, whatever floats your boat basically. So as an icebreaker, I wanted to ask you, what are your foodie likes right now? Okay, so I'm normally like more like it's kind of sweet snacker. But at the moment, it's like Mm -hmm. recently been kind of like hot in England and I'm really not used to that. And so I've been really craving like more like salty things. So I'm absolutely obsessed with like pita chips at the moment. And then also 
hippies which are kind of like chickpea puff things um mm-hmm. yeah those are like my go-tos i'm obsessed <laughs> i've not had the hippie uh like puffs before i've oh. seen them um but i've not yeah. tried them they're really good oh honestly do it i really like them okay. really rate them <laughs> i i can identify with the pita chips I've always been a pita chip stan. I love them. <laughs> and having them with like hummus oh, yes. and either pairing them with um, carrots as well. That's like a perfect like snack to have, you know, especially nowadays when, you know, snacking is probably a little bit more prevalent because <laughs> yeah. of, you know, COVID and everything. And people <laughs> are like, oh, I just want to like eat and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I'm going to have to try those hippie snacks because I've seen them in the grocery store. I've stared at them in the grocery (laughs) store and I'm like, should I try them? Literally, if you do it, I think it's like the sweet and smoking. I don't know. Those ones, they're my favorites. (laughs) Okay, because normally I'll see like there's like these ones called um, like they're like the white cheddar or something like that. And the ones that I normally see. And I see like those like at like Whole Foods or like another local grocery store. But yeah, I'm going to definitely have to try those. Do it. (laughs) <laughs> but another question that I have for you to break the ice is if you could describe having allergies in one word, what would it be and why? Um, so I guess having them, I don't know if this is more like a practicality kind of side, but I think like resourcefulness, if I had to describe them, um, mm-hmm. just kind of like the problem solving aspect you have to learn to do, I guess, like, with like adapting meals and then figuring out like travel and just like navigating day to day life. I guess, yeah, you do have to learn to be quite, quite resourceful. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, when you said that, it made me like reflect on, you know, my allergy yeah. journey and definitely resourceful would be a word to describe <laughs> it. Definitely. Yeah. As far as like you said, like having to adapt recipes, having to um, look at like different nutrition labels exactly, yeah. and having to be able to identify, you know, my allergen, having to look things up to be able to see if there's any alternative names for my allergen, just making sure that I'm using all the resources that, you know, the internet has exactly. supplied yeah. all and putting them to good yeah. use. <laughs> it's also, yeah, I kind of, yeah, exactly. And like, I guess like kind of like thinking of it like that, like I was really tempted then to say like restrictive, but then I was like, oh no, it's not so like, it's kind of negative isn't it and I feel like it's good to look at like the things that you get out of it because I definitely wouldn't have been so so like problem solely I guess <laughs> without it yeah because I know a lot of people especially like people that are like my family members and even yeah. friends are like oh like what do you eat and like it seems to them that it's very restrictive because they mm. think of oh like you are dairy free or exactly. you can't have this or you can't have that and tend to think of like this restrictiveness of it yeah um instead of you know trying to flip it and being like it you said like being resourceful or having it where it caused you to be creative or exactly. you know yeah. different adjectives like that I think with allergies it's really important to look at the positive side of things yeah for sure for sure yeah so speaking of allergies what is your oh my allergy story okay so my allergies are kind of like I guess a bit different to the well they're out some of them are out of the top 14 as per se um so I'm allergic to dairy egg sulfites um chili Mm -hmm. and honey and maize they're kind of like my main ones um Mm -hmm. however I haven't like always had allergies um but I've kind of always lived around allergies. So um, two of my siblings have quite like severe food allergies. So they've got like nuts, sesame, dairy, egg. Um, mm-hmm. So like I've kind of always had like they've all allergies have always been a part of my life. Um, right. But affecting myself, I, don't, I guess, like directly, not until I was like 13, 14. Um, yeah. Well, that's interesting that you um, talk about how, you know, you were already in an environment, you know, with you know allergen friendly living because of you know your two brothers and your siblings and having to navigate that did you feel kind of a little bit kind of prepared in a sense since you kind of knew what they were going through with their allergies for yourself yeah I'd say definitely so I guess it was kind of in a weird way almost normal to me um for like to have like a restricted diet in some way shape or form um so adapting to that was like so so much easier um for myself than I guess someone else that had never sort of lived with that type of thing before yeah right because yeah I know for me when I first discovered I had my allergy I was pretty much the only person in my family who had like severe food allergies like that so for me it was more so of a kind of learn as you go with my family because we had never really 
experienced something like this before. Yeah. So um, I know that you said that with your siblings, were you, and I know you have your blog, were you yeah. able to like prepare yourself as far as from the cooking aspect through them, like being able to like help them? Um, kind of, I think like, um, I don't know, like, so when they were younger, this is kind of a bit lame, but, um, so maybe not lame, just a bit soppy, but like, <laughs> I used to get like really sad when they um, had to miss out on mm-hmm. stuff. So, um, like cakes and bakes or like any, like, I don't know, I guess restaurant food that you can't normally have if you have allergies, or whatever. Um, so I used to try and like recreate them and then, um, kind of like try and teach them how to also do that. Um, just so like they didn't have to miss out and That's yeah. That's so cool. I wish someone did that for me. <laughs> I'm an only child, so it was just oh, like, yeah, yeah it's like, cool. it's just me. <laughs> so, according to your Instagram, and like I just mentioned, hmm. and you talked about your blog, um, you know, you post a lot about your journey as a uh, student dietitian, and honestly kudos to you because I wanted to become one at one point like for like a little like hot minute but then I saw like you know organic chemistry and all of these other things and I'm like nope I'm good (laughs) so what made you want to become a dietitian um so weirdly enough I haven't like always wanted to um, study dietetics so I always knew I wanted to do something kind of like the healthcare profession but honestly Mm -hmm. I've been probably across every single one and done I've done work experience for like physiotherapy um dentistry medicine kind of like the works because I was just like oh I really want to help people but I didn't really know how or what I was really interested in and then like kind mm-hmm. of through personal experience of um seeing a dietitian myself I realized oh my god this is actually like I could see myself doing this um and like how much they helped me I was like I want to do that um, and help other people and I suppose like I guess from the allergy perspective as well I've always had um, being quite aware of how nutrition um like obviously it's going to affect you physically but also like mentally too um mm-hmm. and then I kind of liked the role the dietitian had in that um so I think that's kind of what led me down the path towards being a student dietitian now so what is it like um you know being a dietic student and what type of classes do you have to take for that okay so um our course is like um I think it's kind of like different to like in America and Canada I think like they all do them a bit differently but um to give like an outline of ours so ours is like a four year sort of course and first year is a lot more general so you do like as you were saying earlier with all like the chemistry and stuff um you do a lot of like biochemistry um some genetics and kind of more just like the general Mm -hmm. science is and then um further down the line in year two um you look at more like kind of I guess medicine and pathology um so a lot more about that and um you do a bit of like pharmacology as well so um because obviously like kind of probably self-explanatory but when you're looking if you're treating someone in hospital you've got to kind of know the medicines and stuff otherwise all hell's gonna break loose but yeah um so we look at that um i guess like it's quite diverse um a lot of like general science and then obviously you've got your nutritional and kind of more applied science in that sense um yeah it sounds like it sounds very interesting and like you were saying how you were interested a lot in the you know not only the nutrition side of you know mm. being a dietic student but also kind of like the the mental side of it um through your studies could you talk a little bit more about like the the mental like side of you know being a yeah. student dietitian and things that not a lot of people may be thinking about yeah of course so i guess um when it comes to diet and food and things it's quite like I suppose it can be quite like a personal subject for everyone um and I think particularly I guess in our cultures um it's food is such a big part of that and like it's people coming together so I suppose whenever you've got some sort of like dietary restriction or um perhaps like like maybe like a mental illness or I don't know like a low mood it kind of always comes back to food well not always but it can do um and so Mm-hmm. I suppose when we're say thinking about treating a patient um kind of have to look at it like holistically and think of okay it's all well saying eat this um and that and that will work blah 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 you'll be physically okay but it's also kind of the mental side and understanding um what they're going through as well I don't know if that really makes any sense but um, yeah yeah it does it does because I think that you know with nutrition like you were saying that not only is it about you know 
becoming better, you know, from the inside out, but, you know, also, you know, with your mind and stuff. And it is kind of like a mental game. So I completely understand, you know, that whole side of it a little bit, not like you, (laughs) because I'm not like in the student aspect of it, but just a little bit from like a personal standpoint with the like, a personal journey with like mm-hmm. nutrition and stuff. But what would you say is the biggest area like in the world of like nutrition and mm-hmm. dietics that you're curious about and why? Um so kind of may seem a little bit random, but I'm quite weird and I quite like gruesome stuff. Um not maybe not <laughs> gruesome but like more clinical things. So, right. Um on one of my hospital placements cuz um we do those throughout the course. Um I spent a lot of time in like the burns unit. And I, what I quite liked about that was like the role um, the dietitian has in that because they have quite a lot of responsibility um, with how they act and um, the diets they sort of, I guess, the dietary advice and things they prescribe to the patient and their recovery, like the patient outcomes and things. Mm-hmm. Plus, also, it's kind of like a visible thing. Obviously, you can see how well someone's healing if they've got like a burn injury. Um, so, oh, had wow. more like. I guess you you saw that rather than just say your generic I don't know um, maybe like a weight management clinic which is obviously good for other reasons but I think as I said like I do quite like the clinical side so I quite like seeing that sort of like that's a bit grim but yeah <laughs> I never really think about that side because normally like the, the image of a dietitian that's in your face is you know the weight loss management you know yeah. keeping track of like mindful eating and eating habits and things like mm. that but you don't really tend to think about that other you know more clinical more gruesome in quotes yeah. <laughs> side of you know being a in like the whole world of dietics and nutrition which I learned mm. something new today <laughs> <laughs> yeah well to be honest I personally like I hadn't even realized quite how much um I guess dietitians like have a role in um, illnesses and injuries such as that. So yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So do you try to like maybe like apply things that you've learned in school to, you know, your every day-to-day life with you and like your family? Like, um, So I would say kind of, but also kind of not. So I think actually personally for me, um, I don't know, I guess like stereotypically maybe like, um, girls like females a lot more like conscious about what they're eating maybe like worried about certain types of foods um I think that's really actually the information I've learned has helped me a lot with myself Mm -hmm. um from that respect um being a bit more free and sort of thinking about um diet as more of like a balance rather than um kind of like restricting and thinking I can't have that because of that um that kind of setting um when it comes to my family um I don't really I think I'm very scared of the stereotypical (laughs) sort of like food police and dietitians point of view so I'm kind of like, I'm not going to, I won't like force any things on them. I definitely would not do that. Um, yeah. Be like, don't eat that. That's bad. <laughs> yeah. I think that would definitely cause more problems than um, more harm than good. So yeah. But if they, I do, I don't know. I guess this must happen with like anyone if they like have a speciality in things, but people will come and ask me questions about like towards their diet. And I'll be like, oh gosh, is it appropriate for me to answer or not? Um, I can help you if you want, but I don't know if you want me, like to hear the answer. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <kind> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But kind of like how you dived into that, like people asking you questions. Yeah. Like what would you say based on what you've learned and like your experience in your studies are like components for like a healthy, balanced um, like meal that's also like allergen friendly? Okay, so I guess um, going back to kind of like the backbones of like what you would put on your plate. So I think um, obviously you want to have like every food group there. So you want your carbohydrates, um, your protein and your fats, and then obviously your vegetables too, but I guess it's kind of like a carbohydrate, but a little bit separate. Um, mm-hmm. So I'd say when it comes to like carbohydrates, particularly for allergies, I think what are the easiest things? If I was going to make a meal for um, someone with food allergies, um, because like um i would say maybe rice and potatoes um that was free from the top 14 so i'd always like recommend something like that um mm-hmm. and then i guess protein wise kind of more lean um it's obviously like i don't want to say better because it's not necessarily better but to do with like fats and things i don't know mm-hmm. I just, yeah i don't want to get too much into details because <laughs> i am still a student so i don't want to like give yeah. random advice but um right yeah so right basically um, whole scheme of it, I would say like you want your carbs, your protein, and your fat, and then it's completely fine to have stuff like chocolates and cakes, like every now and again. Like I definitely have those like every day and things. Um, but it's just as boring as it is. It is really all about the balance. Um, and also 
having things that you like as well because it's so boring um i don't know just having plain chicken and rice and vegetables um if trying to be like fit into like the kind of more like healthy quota literally yeah yeah so i don't know um it's about finding what works for you foods you like um and the balance overall i guess yeah like you were saying like it is important to have balance because if you just like restrict yourself from having certain types of foods then you kind of like not like you kind of like beat down on yourself later on you're like man like I wish I had this or that or stuff like that and you know it doesn't feel good so I think like you were saying it's really important to stress like the balance when you are you know putting together a plate for yourself you know for breakfast lunch and dinner type of thing exactly yeah I find often like I would know for myself say I like stop myself I was like oh no don't have that piece of cake now I know for sure I'll go back and have it later and (laughs) So I may as well have just had it earlier instead of opting for something else instead if you, if you, right. yeah. You might have two. You might exactly. be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I guess that's another thing as well. I think like listening to your cravings, often like your body, like it's kind of clever and it'll tell you things. So if you're craving something, it could be like for a reason. Um, mm. But I think like definitely like listen to those. Um, yeah. Yeah. So like we talked about um, a minute ago um, that mm. you have a blog, could you share like a little bit more about your blog and what made you want to start it? Yeah, of course. So I don't know if you find this with yourself, but often like um, people, because I like have quite a few allergies and like, so people are like, oh my God, what do you actually eat? Do you like live off air? Like, you know, yes. kind of comments like that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you understand. Yeah. So I was a bit like, oh my gosh, no. And so like, I would always explain things, but obviously it's kind of like hard to explain. Um, So I thought, oh, do you know what? Let's start this kind of blog and actually like show people ideas. Because I think another thing for me was that often I kind of find that um, allergy friendly or free from food is sometimes seen as like different to normal food. um, And then it's Mm going to taste different. Like if I gave my friends a slice of cake and obviously they're going to know it doesn't have like dairy or egg in because it's mine. Like I think people view what it's going to taste like different to if I just give them a normal piece of cake. Um, totally yeah I don't yeah okay cool um so (laughs) I kind of want to show like actually do you know what it doesn't have that in but it's actually no different it's still got the sugar it's still got the like fat in that it's it's the same sort of like components just omitting a couple of ingredients so I think I just want to show like how like food is still food even if it doesn't have certain things in um yeah, I get that because I've been told so many times because not only am with my food allergies, but I'm also yeah. a pescatarian. So they're okay. like, what do you eat? Like, do you just yeah. eat salads all day? And I'm like, no, <laughs> yeah, no. Like, like everyone would get bored with salad after a while. Exactly. There's only so many things that you can like ways you can package it. So I think it, it's important, you know, that you, people like you are creating resources for people to be like, hey, you know, that's something that I can relate to. I have food allergies as well. And I feel like I've, you know, gotten to, you know, a corner where of when it comes to coming up with different meal options. So being able to have a resource like the Daisy Diet, um, I think is really important for people in the food allergy community. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Well, I, I hope it's somewhat helpful to people. I know like yeah. <laughs> for myself, it was also kind of like my mom, she, she used to say like when she was obviously going through it with my, my um, older brother when he was first had allergies, like how hard it was to adapt to like finding recipes and things that worked. I was kind of like, oh, if I share these two, then maybe I can kind of help people out as well. So yeah. Yeah. So for um, when you've been, like you said, you just said that you did a lot of adapting recipes when mm. it came to like your brothers and then also for yourself later down the line yeah. uh what would you say are some of your um i guess favorite and or surprising um substitutes for some of some very popular um food items that are commonly used in a lot of different recipes okay so um i think one of my main ones is like i really got into <laughs> this is so sad and <laughs> finding like the best kind of like egg replacements um, yeah. <laughs> just because obviously they use a lot in baking and I love to bake so that was the main thing for me to find out what worked um mm-hmm. I, I'm obsessed with using things like soy yogurt or um some kind of like dairy-free based yogurt for replacing eggs and things like cakes and muffins mm-hmm. um, honestly it works a treat like um that's really good would recommend a lot and then things like apple sauce um work really well and more like your cookie type things I- I've heard about that yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> um so those are like my main go-tos for that um and then this is kind of a bit more random but when it comes to I guess you know like cheese um and like cheese sauces white sauces right right um I'm kind of I'm really not a fan of the dairy free alternatives to actual cheese but what I really do love is do you know like nutritional yeast mm-hmm. yeah. yeah 
So like it tastes good. Yeah, exactly. I love <laughs> using that flavor sauces to make them have that like kind of cheesy flavor to them. Um, I find that so much nicer and a lot more like natural and less like artificial tasting than say um, your like kind of vegan um, dairy free cheeses. Um, yeah, I totally can relate to that because there's some cheeses that I just like they melt kind of weird yeah. and then the taste like the aftertaste of it is weird and then it might not reheat that well yeah. so it's kind of like it's like a hit or miss with some cheeses yeah. it's like sometimes they might taste great but then the next day it doesn't taste that great <laughs> exactly. or you know it doesn't taste great when you're trying it for the first time so yeah I totally I totally get that <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, so speaking of like meals and stuff what yeah. is what would you say is your favorite meal of the day Oh, that's such a hard question. Um, I'm just gonna say, <laughs> definitely not lunch. Like, I like always have my lunch, but I'm more creative in the mornings and the evenings because I guess that's when I tend to have more time. Um, so, mm-hmm. oh, really hard. I, thing is, I literally I'm so boring with breakfast. I always have porridge, but I put toppings on, so I love it. Like, <laughs> honestly, it's like a different meal every day, but it's always like the base is oats. Um, right. So, I kind of want to say that, although in the evening, oh, I don't know. Let's go for breakfast. I love breakfast. Because um, then on the weekends, you know, if you have like kind of more of a cool, like cook style breakfast, you know, it's good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can relate with the breakfast thing because yeah. when I'm in school and when I lived in a dorm, like my go to breakfast was oatmeal. And yeah. I would literally have it every morning <laughs> and like every morning people are like, don't you get sick of that? And I'm like, no, because like you said, you can dress it up in different ways to be able to like give it like some personality per se. Yeah, and exactly. so like just trying to figure out how to be able to mix it up so it won't get boring. Because if you just have it plain, like, yes, it's going to be boring. And it, yeah, yeah, it's sure. going to be boring. <laughs> I could not deal with that. <laughs> yeah. So um, what would you say is your favorite recipe or recipes to make uh, from your blog? Okay, so I think my favorite one so far, like, is probably, I made like a Lotus Biscoff cheesecake. um, Mm. And that's probably my favorite, just because like, I was really surprised about like how it actually came out. And like my whole family, like that, basically, I I can tell if a recipe's okay, or good, if my family eat it. And that like, well how quickly they eat it and that went so quickly so I was like all right that's a good one and it also looks kind of cool so I was like yeah <laughs> so that's probably one of my favorites um I'm trying to think what else it looked good on Instagram yeah. like oh thank you need to definitely look at it because I was like oh my goodness is that lotus like as of like Biscoff cookies lotus <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I was also thinking this is kind of um because obviously like lotus biscuits they have like gluten in um was it like a wheat base? Mm-hmm. So I'm really like wanting at the moment, I've been like exper- experimenting a bit to try and make like a kind of a gluten-free version because Ooh. like, you know how it's like got so much hype at the moment. I was like, oh, I feel really bad. Like people are missing out. Um, right. Obviously you can live without it quite easily, but you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I think that'd be cool to try and. Yeah. Cause, cause I, I, I like Biscoff cookies. They, they taste really good. <laughs> they taste really, really good. Especially like if you get them and then like you get chocolate and you melt them on them. Oh, that sounds nice. They're so good. Yeah. They're so good. I, I'm a dark chocolate type of person. Just I like, like the bitter, like the like 75, 80%. Literally, yeah. Okay. You too? Okay. Yeah. Because most people are like, oh my goodness, like that tastes so nasty. Like it has no flavor. It's so bitter. I'm like it tastes no, so no. good. It's yeah. healthy for you. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what would you say are some quick like hacks and tips that you would uh, tell someone who is trying to navigate, you know, their college cafeteria, and even for people who are, you know, living off of campus with food allergies, or people who just have, you know, allergies in general. Okay, so I guess when it comes to cafeterias, so I guess like from my experience at university, um, I actually lived in like self-catered um, accommodation. However, like in mm-hmm. your first year, you had to have like a catered meal. Um, I think just for more social aspects, so people would like come together at meal time. Unfortunately, like for me, um, the cafeteria couldn't cater for me uh, so I cooked mm. for myself but what I did like kind of realize is a lot of like flats would like where you're living in like student halls would come together and cook at the weekends and they would often want to make like a flat meal so I think one of my tips would be before starting make sure you've got like a couple of sort of group meals up your sleeve that you know how to make and that are safe for you so then um, when that does come around like if, if people do want to cook together 
you can say, okay, guys, um, I know how to make this. Would that be okay? Because then you've got something you can have and everyone else can join in with it. Um, so I'd say like, that's one of my little tips okay. there. Um, and then I think just more in general, um, for like just navigating, let's say like a cafeteria or something, I would say, although I like obviously didn't do this myself because I couldn't, but from school and things, I think communication and it's kind of like that preparation before you start, maybe if there's some way you can go and like meet the chefs. Um, mm-hmm. like, I feel like if they know your face, it's a lot less daunting when you go into that sort of like cafeteria environment because they know who you are, you've met them before. And if they know right. a bit more about like your situation, your allergies, um, it'll be a bit more helpful. And also, I think another thing is that like, um, I don't know how like how you find, have found things, but people often like do actually really want to help you. And I think as we were saying earlier about like food being quite like a cultural thing where people come together. Um, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, I guess like food's, yeah, it, it's a big part of everyone's day. So people don't want you to be left out. And so people really do want to help you, but definitely like communication and that preparation beforehand, just so you, so you feel safe and they also feel safe serving you. Yeah, I can attest because when I first got to university, I had, I first found out who the head chef was and who was like the supervisor of the cafeteria to be able to sit down with them and be able to figure out, you know, kind of like the advice that you had just extended, you know, is there anything for me to eat or is there things that they can make for me to put on the side so that when I come to the cafeteria, I can come pick it up, like that type of thing, making sure that they're cooking things separately, they're not doing Uh, cross-contamination which is very very hard when you're on a college campus yeah so especially in that like setting isn't it because I think that's really important you know how you're saying how like if they can set something aside because two things one I guess that's so much less risk of cross-contamination because obviously they're not serving it there and then and also I don't know about you but when like it comes to those sort of situations I always get really really Mm self-conscious um so if I had to like say too much at the time of someone serving me I'd be like kind of panic a bit but the they've um, been able to like set something aside for me I find that really helpful um because then you can just take it and it's like not a big deal at all yeah I know like one time I remember when I was in uh, uh, on campus and I forget what the situation was but I think oh I think we had like a thunderstorm or something like that that was happening and it Mm. knocked out like all of the power out so that they had to make like certain meals for um people using like these little like um like um like these stoves like these little electric stoves through a generator that oh they had God. plugged up it was it was very bad yeah. it was like during like hurricane season <laughs> and stuff and so oh gosh, yeah. i was like well there's nothing for me to eat like what like like what am i going to do like i can't eat yeah. any of this stuff like they were they were making things like grilled cheeses and stuff like that and i'm like i can't i'm like i can't no, i can't do that at all and so they yeah. were able to make me something but i felt so weird because people were like giving me like this weird look in my eye like oh like what are you doing and what do you have in your yeah. hand and blah 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 and it made me feel like i i can't eat what you are eating i'm sorry <laughs> yeah yeah it is one of those things cuz i think also like I don't know you kind of feel like everyone's watching you and I guess quite often quite often like people aren't like they'll say those comments and then but then for the rest of the time you're so self-conscious of like everything that's going on um yeah I get you on that it's it's hard isn't it yeah (laughs) it can be a bit tricky so I have a question for you so for Hmm. your allergies are any of your um allergies like anaphylactic just curious so so mine aren't my brother's um are um so I don't have that experience myself but obviously like they do so I'm I'm aware Mm -hmm. of it but I can't like relate like personally like you know what I mean um yeah I just have like an I just have like an inhaler and antihistamines for my like to manage mine okay what was like your uh experience with the first um allergic reaction that you remember yeah so weirdly enough so although I kind of a bit random but uh, so I haven't so although I'm not anaphylactic um the first two times I had a reaction, I was actually in um, hospital anyway, um, for like a different reason. Mm-hmm. Um, but I did actually, um, I was injected. Um, I don't, obviously it wasn't an EpiPen, but it was like, I don't know, something probably along the lines of like adrenaline or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have like experienced that. And I remember being really scared, um, but I think quite fortunately I was in hospital. So I was surrounded by nurses right. who obviously knew what they were doing and like how to look after me. So I was in quite a safe place um, in that sense. That That's comforting because I know when I talk with people, yeah. um, I just like hearing what their like allergic reaction stories are because it just really just varies. Yeah. You know, some people, you know, they might be alone when they first have their allergic reaction. You know, luckily, 
yeah it's scary. scary and then you know luckily for you yeah. you were in you know more of a medical environment where you were able to get that immediate exactly care you know yeah yeah definitely so I remember because um I often get like hives along my jawline and my lips will s- swell and still on my eyes mm-hmm. um and so I remember that happening and then they were they were like oh let's give you an antihistamine and see what happens and then they would take my blood pressure because obviously like your blood pressure will drop if you're having a reaction mm-hmm. and then I remember that happening and then them going and talking and like oh let's take you to your room so it was like my bay where my hospital bed was and then they were like we're just going to inject you because it was obviously escalating and it was just like managing it early on I suppose right yeah so I know you've mentioned like antihistamines um, and things mm. that you would like to have with you. What are some other must-have items that you carry with you in like a medical kit or like in a pouch that you take with you wherever you go? Okay. So um, antihistamines, um, I take my inhaler. Um, I take those two everywhere I go. Um, always have those. And then if I'm going for, so more of like the kind of college university setting, if I'm going on a night out or for drinks, um, I always have. Um, like baby wipes or like a small packet of hand mm-hmm. wipes in my bag just because I um, am allergic to sulfites and so you know like if you're in a club or something or a bar and someone spills a yeah. drink on you um I will like get a rash straight away and like obviously I, I need to right. get that off me so I found like going to like a bathroom or something kind of hard because you know, obviously it's like really busy yeah, in those places and, and narrow like, and embarrassed like <laughs> exactly and if I'm having to like wash myself it just looks it's like really why weird. is she scrubbing so, her arm <laughs> yeah exactly it's like what's this crack I'm doing but yeah so um I like having wipes I found um like I picked up along the line um along the way and it's just so much handier I can go in I can go into like a bathroom stall I can just like wipe it off me whatever and then hopefully that means I don't have to like leave early and I can still like enjoy my time out so I have another question for you so since you've dealt with your allergies from being a teenager and you're still dealing with them now obviously could you um talk about if there's like any differences as far as was it easier for you to manage them when you were you know more so of like a teenager versus um now you know when you're you know on your own kind of navigating life on your own type of thing um so I think when I was so I'm 22 now and then when when I was about like more like uh 17 kind of 18 when I first started going more to like parties and things I definitely found it a lot harder then um to manage my allergies just I guess I I was like finding out what worked and um managing I guess kind of more the anxiety side of that as well um and so that was definitely harder um now I think I've learned things that like can help and like coping mechanisms and things also I think I know things like learning how to talk to people about your allergies um so I suppose early on um I would often leave like parties say I had like a reaction or I felt a bit mm-hmm. uncomfortable um for some reason because I was worried about that I would just leave and like literally not tell anyone um whereas now I know actually that that really doesn't help in the long run like socially so now my friends at uni they like they know so like I can tell them actually do you know what I've someone spilled a drink on me I'm gonna go wash that off um I don't like this is probably making no sense I'm so bad at like explaining things like <laughs> no, this I get what but, you're um, saying. I get what basically you're saying. Yeah. yeah yeah so I've like learned those ways now of how to deal so it was definitely a lot harder when I was younger um but now like I kind of got my ways of how I go about things yeah I know one time when I was at a bonfire and I have like really bad environmental allergies with dust okay. and you know things like that yeah. and particles being up in the air and stuff and so we, I went to a bonfire and I didn't you know take any sort of allergy medicine but I didn't think I was gonna need it and so yeah. immediately at the bonfire I started sneezing and then people were like what oh, yeah. is wrong with you and I was just oh, and I was like yeah. I have to leave and then they're like this is yeah. so weird I don't know what's going on <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah see things like that are so hard and also I kind of get you on that because I used to be quite like naughty and like not take my um like allergy kit with me mm-hmm. um being like oh I don't need it blah 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 kind of I guess it's a bit more rebellious but it's not really is it you know what I mean um, yeah, yeah yeah whereas now I'm no no that's silly like take it otherwise it's gonna be worse in the long run so yeah no like I carry yeah. my stuff with me all the time I, yeah. I learned that the the hard way from that and then like other situations that I've had you know in university and outside of university yeah that I just I carry I carry it I take it with me in my backpack when I'm going anywhere my purse yeah whatever like it's better yeah. to be safer than sorry exactly for sure always yeah um. another question that I have for you is how did you find out that you you know had your allergies did you like were you like exposed to them 
Um, and then you kind of had to find out the hard way or did you officially get tested for them? Kind of like, well, how was that experience? Okay, so it was a little bit weird. So um, I think I had my first proper reaction when I was about six years old. We'd been at like a family friend's house and they had had a bowl of chocolates out. Now me being the sweet tooth person I am was like, oh my God, chocolates, let's eat those. <laughs> Just sort of let's eat around, them all. You know? <laughs> Literally, I honestly probably had the whole bowl of these things. And also like I wouldn't normally have things like that at home just because we don't keep that type of thing right. around. It's not really fair. So I was probably more so I was like, oh my God, yes, chocolate. So anyway, yeah, I ate all of these. And then I think by the time I got home, my whole body had come up in hives. And they were um, oh, like wow. head to toe. So like, I think they were Florentines or something. Um, so like, I think they have like glassy mm-hmm. cherries and almonds in. Now, I'm not actually allergic to nuts. However, I think the most obvious thing at the time was, okay, maybe um, I have a nut allergy. Um, so I avoided them anyway. Mm-hmm. And because I didn't normally eat them, I just avoided them completely. Um, and then I ended up being tested um, for nuts in hospital, like the scratch test and blood test. And that came out um, completely fine. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I was still experiencing um, these reactions and I got quite a lot of like GI symptoms as I was getting older. So we were a bit like, hmm, this is weird. So I'm not allergic to nuts, but I'm still getting these reactions. What's going on? So um, I'm trying to think what happened then. Um, I, oh yeah, so I eventually, because I would get really, really bad stomach aches. So I'd maybe like miss school and I would have like trouble sleeping because of it. And I would get like rashes across my chest. Um, I got like referred to like a specialist doctor and um, they actually recommended that I cut Mm -hmm. wheat out of my diet um, just because I I was around like 12, 13. So like, I think it's like when you go through puberty, you're you're often like, I think they find like wheat intolerance is quite common around that age or um, Mm. so they tried that. Um, It Mm. wasn't the case um, and I was still getting these um, symptoms, although they did get a little bit better. Um, I think that was more because I can't have dairy, so I am allergic to dairy. Right. Um, and obviously, like wheat products, like oh, cakes and biscuits, yeah. have dairy. Mm-hmm. So if I was having less than less of those, then it'd have less reactions. Um, so I had like an endoscopy and a colonoscopy because of the GI symptoms I was getting to rule out anything right. like Crohn's disease or celiac disease. Um, luckily, I didn't have that, um, but they f- did also test me for lactose intolerant at that, uh, intolerance at that point. And so it turned out I was lactose intolerant. Um, however later down the line i found out that i had like a mm. non-ige cow's milk protein allergy um so it basically it long i had a lot of tests done and i was still having reactions so then i'll go back for more tests um and that went on for a while um until i had some dried apricots when i was in hospital for another reason and i had quite a bad reaction and then it kind of made sense because um going back to the earlier thing of like the florentines so like glassy cherries i think um, one of the preservatives mm. they use for that is sulfites, so like sulfur dioxide, yeah. and then dried apricots again preserved with sulfur dioxide. So you kind of put wow. two and two together, and then turned out actually, yeah, um, I had like a challenge done, and it was that. And then the, for the other ones, I again had um, blood tests and scratch tests, and then a couple of them were just through trial and error. And then obviously, it yeah, was not self-diagnosed. I went to the doctor to like oh, check wow. that. You know, um, so yeah kind of like a rambly path but no it's interesting it's interesting how it's like it started off you know you guys thinking that it was one thing but then it ended up being like Mm. this whole interweb of everything being connected together from it being like sulfites type of thing and then like being able to figure out you know the lactose intolerant thing wasn't really lactose intolerance it was really actually you being allergic to cow's milk and having a cow's milk allergy so it's just interesting how the whole process of trying to figure out like what is wrong like how it is for like everyone because everyone has so many different stories you know (laughs) yeah and I don't know about you but uh well when when I was like obviously becoming like a teenager and stuff I was trying different types of foods that perhaps I wouldn't have had at home because um, we would avoid having anything with like nuts or sesame right. um, and dairy and egg and things because of my brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think the fact that I was going out and trying those, I was then having the reactions um, myself because was I couldn't have them. And I was trying them. For, I don't know. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Because I know <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> particularly how I found out about um, macadamia nuts for me was because yeah. in my house, we... I, we just never had them in the house at all and then the one time I'm outside of my house and 
up until this point when I when I had the reaction and not really accepted them from anyone, whether it was in cookie form, whether it was in nut form or whatever. And then it's like the one time I tried it, it was like things yeah. went south really quick. And I was like, oh, so no. it was I felt like my body was like trying to tell me something like being like, oh, we're not interested in anything that that nut has to offer. So like, yeah. don't even <laughs> like your taste buds don't yeah. want it. But I was like, no, <laughs> like I'm curious. <laughs> kind of how like you and that's actually really interesting you say that because like I had this thing when I was younger I hated I could not stand butter and I could like the smell of melting butter would make me feel physically so like sick oh wow and also like white sauce and creamy sauce I I literally I I wouldn't want to eat it Mm -hmm. so I don't know if you find that but it's almost like your body like kind of probably sounds really silly but like telling you yeah there's like a reason behind that like yeah it's like your best like don't eat it Mm, no (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) so could you talk a little bit about your sulfite allergy because I feel like that's an allergy (laughs) that a lot of people don't really tend to think too much about they tend to just think about more so of like the actual food instead of like some of the preservatives that could be on the food that could actually be causing Mm. like the allergy yeah so I think sulfites is a bit of a weird one because um, quite often it's um, more of a hypersensitivity, like intolerance type of thing rather than an allergy. Mm. Um, and it normally just exa- um, exasperates like asthma and things. Um, mm. I kind of experience more the true food allergy side of it. Um, but that's just, yeah, um, that. But it's really weird because sulfites are obviously naturally occurring as well as being used as a preservative. So there's kind of like in food packaging, they mark it up to, I think it's like 10 parts per million. And that's the point where you have to like declare it. I don't know if it's the same in the US, but in the EU you have to. Um, there's a point where like it can cause a reaction. But having said that, depending on your um, sensitivity yourself, you can react at lower levels. So I think it's in some ways, I don't want to say like harder than other ones, but you kind of, there's a lot of like guesswork and trial and error um, with things that do naturally have sulfites in because maybe some people wouldn't react. Whereas like, I may do or like someone else may do or they may react to something I don't um just because of the weird like um how it varies so much in different food items yeah that reminds Um, me of when I was younger I was um diagnosed with having like an allergy to like citric acid Mm. which is basically in everything so I would yeah yeah. I would get like these hives and rashes and bumps on my knees Mm -hmm. like so much so like I had to cut out a lot of things when I was younger because of you know how sensitive I was to it and you know kind of like how you were saying with sulfites it's something that it's kind of like with trial and error like you might eat one thing and it might not trigger anything like some sort of a reaction but then you might eat one thing and then it's like it does the whole nine yards and then you have all these hives on you and all these bumps and things are you know um flaring up so yeah. It's just kind of like you said, that trial and error, you know, trying to figure yeah. it out, which I feel like is like the whole world of food allergies wrapped up in one. It's like you're just trying to figure <laughs> exactly. it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely so. So I guess my uh, last question for you would be for people who are new to, you know, the allergy world, who are new to the intolerance mm-hmm. world what advice would you give them? You know, what's the best piece of advice that you've ever been given or that, you know, you might've seen on like social media, someone told you it or something that you've learned from experience? Mm -hmm. Okay. So I think one of like the biggest things that's kind of, I've learned along the way is definitely um, that people are really like willing to help you. So I used to be really, really nervous, especially when I first found out and like eating out or eating with friends about what would happen and telling them and that kind of side um, of things. So I think piece of advice I'd give to you is literally like communication and just knowing that people don't really want to exclude you. Um, Often people do want to help you out and things. So I think like, don't feel that you're being kind of an inconvenience really, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because um, often you're not really, it's just something that you have to live with and, I think that like everyone kind of has their little like thing that they have to work on. So I don't know. Yeah, that makes sense. But basically don't feel like you are an incon- being an inconvenience. Um, people do want to help you. Um, if you go about it like in the right way, then yeah. Um, 
I'd say so. Thank you so much for being on the Oh My Allergies podcast. I've loved talking with you and being able to learn, <laughs> being able to learn more about, you know, you and your allergy story and learning about, you know, your studies, more about your blog and all the things that come with being Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, thank you so much for having me. It's been really great talking to you. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And good luck with um school starting on tuesday too. oh goodness gracious i don't even want to think about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah no like it's just trying to mentally prepare myself for it because of how it was last semester for my classes and having to navigate zoom university as a lot of people like to call it oh my gosh, and yeah. it was just kind of a hot mess um, for some professors, <laughs> it was a hot mess, to say the least. It was, yeah. it was, it was just a lot. So hopefully, fingers crossed, this semester goes yeah, a lot crossed. better for me. And hopefully, your semester um, for your studies and what you're going to be oh, doing goes you. well too. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and enjoyed learning more about Daisy Weston from the Daisy Diet story, her allergy journey, you know, more about, you know, why she started her blog and kind of like her firsthand experience of dealing with um, living in an allergy environment before she even had allergies herself. So make sure you follow Daisy on her Instagram at the Daisy Diet and also follow her on her blog, which is the Daisy Diet wixsite.com slash website and i'll also have all her links linked in the show notes if you enjoyed today's episode make sure you subscribe to wherever you listen to the oh my allergies podcast so you don't miss out on really great interviews like this one rate and review the podcast hopefully it is five stars share the podcast with people that you know and don't know and i will talk to you guys in the next episode bye guys <laughs>